Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Well, there we go. Well, good morning. Just nice to be out, isn't it? I haven't been out of the house. Well, I have been out. I've stood outside the back garden. Uh, we've recently got a, a little dog, a little uh, Cocker Spaniel. He is 11 weeks old. Does anybody want him? Because <laughs> you can have him, I'm telling you. Who said me? Sold. <laughs> okay. Free, create, everything. Who knew? I thought we children. I thought, how hard could it be? I'd rather have children. But anyway, that's where I've been outside the house. Uh, but as Phil has said, we've been preaching and a recording, and who's just about had it with Zoom, yeah. and FaceTime, and WhatsApp, and all the rest of it. So honestly, we're now we're on the move. I hope, and uh, we got to keep praying for this thing as it goes around the world. The, the scenes from India are harrowing, and hey, let's uh, let's not forget about the, the world that we live in. Amen. Um, anyway, it's good to see you, and it's good to be uh, with you guys. Glad you're open. Glad you're inviting people to church. Uh, glad you're thinking of Alpha. And glad you're keeping Jesus the main thing. Uh, and it's so important that we keep Christ at the center. Amen? And uh, yes, all right. So anyway, I want to talk to you today, and this little talk is uh, called Activate Me, all right? And if you have a Bible on your phone or your tablet or anything on paper, uh, you want to go to the book of Luke chapter 3, and uh, we're going to read the first three verses and uh, it'll all make sense, uh, hopefully, uh, when I unpack that, um, and then we will get uh, kind of stuck in. All right, so Luke chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. Uh, so on your phones, tablets, or paper, whatever you got, just open that up, and when you're ready, give me a shout. All right, here we go. Luke chapter 3, 1 to 3. It says this, In the fifteenth year, when the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Iutria and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Cephas, the word of the Lord came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And verse 3, he went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Can we pray for a moment? Let's bow our heads. And so, Father, we thank you, Lord, today for Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. For all of them are here. And Father, we acknowledge today that when your spirit collides with your word, something, Lord, that was not there takes shape and takes form within our hearts and within our minds today. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you to collide with the word that you inspired. And Lord, pop it onto arrows and propel those arrows into our thinking, into our habits, into our dreams, into our aspirations, into our sense of failure, whatever we are feeling and dealing with today. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you will activate me, that you will activate us, O oh God, and that, Lord, your word would land in our hearts and on our minds forever and ever and ever. Lord, we did not come here to leave the way we arrived. And so, Jesus, we as a congregation are saying, Lord, have your way. Come on, church, give Jesus mental assent. Give the Holy Spirit a righteous nod and say, Lord, have your way. Come on. Lord Jesus. Come on, tell him you're not going to fight him on this. Holy Spirit, move. 
And so, Father, we pray, Lord, do your work in open hearts. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. All right, I want to give a quick welcome also to everybody that's online, and because uh, I've got a text from my family saying, Daddy, we're watching you online. So there you go. All right, so say hello out there. Let me just start with a couple of stories, okay? Uh, all of you will know by now that we have four children the same age, okay? So uh, that's a little backdrop of what the story I want to share with you at the start. And so it was uh, somewhere around the morning of the 12th of June, 2005, all right? I was sitting in my sister's old bedroom in my parents' house uh, in Balnehinch, where I grew up. Judith was already in the Royal Victoria Hospital on bed rest, and so I would go and stay with my mom and dad when I would visit with Judith in the evenings and stay there on the weekends. And, uh, and so we were, you know, going through all the motions of a quadruple pregnancy. Judith was high on faith and on worship, and God was speaking on the Word, and it all was fantastic, and she was being awesome and looking after herself and eating grapes, and I was peeling them, feeding them to her, and it was all just wonderful, and things were going well. And all through that kind of process, I was asking God, Lord, would you give me a word? Like, I know you favor moms all around the world, but would you, spur, would you throw this dad an old bone or something just to encourage me, to let me know that it was going to be okay for me as well. A bit selfish, but man, you know how it is. And so we were hungry for something to say. And all the way through the pregnancy, nothing at all. God said, zero, nothing to me, okay? Judith was hogging all the glory, right? And so nothing at all. And so this day I was praying to God and said, Lord, is there any chance that you might drop me a little word? And lo and behold, in my sister's bedroom, reading the Bible before I was going to go and head off to the Victoria Hospital to go and see Judith, uh, I was reading through the words of Isaiah 60, and from this incredible chapter, verses 20 to 21, just came up off the page. Has that ever happened to you when you read the Bible and somehow just a certain passage? You may have read them lots of times, but for whatever reason, that day the Holy Spirit shines a light on that. That's called illumination. He wants you to see that. Anyway, here is the verses that the Lord gave me. He said, they are, Brian, the shoot I have planted, the work of my hands for the display of my splendor. Come on, somebody, that's going to give you chills. He says, then the least of you will become a thousand, the smallest, a mighty nation. I am the Lord, and in its time, I will do it swiftly. And I was like, finally, the Lord has given me a verse for this moment. He's revealed this thing to me. And you know what? Within 10 days, they were all born in five minutes, okay? And when God says He's going to do something swiftly, He does not hang about, all right? So there they were. Now, I want you to fast forward with me then about a th two or three years to November 2008. By then, I was the assistant pastor at Cornerstone City Church up in Derry, London, Derry, Wall City, Maiden City. Just pick one. I was an assistant to Andy McCourt and Isabel, they were leading the church there. We were having a blast. And I got a call one evening in November from Andy. And he said to me, I wonder would you and Judith be home? Isabel and I would like to come and see you. Very unusual, okay, because it was late at night. And you know, when Andy wanted to come and see you, he came by himself usually. We normally had lunch. It, was, it wasn't dark outside, classically. It was nine to five business hours. But here it was. It was 10, 10, 30. It was dark at night, and Andy and Isabel wanted to come out and see us. Well, come on ahead, big man. And so out they come, and we had a conversation. And he announced to us at that stage that they were going to leave Cornerstone. They felt the Lord call them to CFC in Belfast, and that they thought in their wisdom, you know, prayer permitting, all of that, process permitting, 
saying that Judith and I should take on Cornerstone. We had a right old laugh. That was like one of these ha, 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 ha kind of moments. Not at all. But we said we'd pray about it knowing the answer, Phil. I had just got my credentials, my ministry credentials. I was just all revved up at that stage. REV, did you get what I said there? All revved up. Anyway, okay, I just got my credentials, and there was no way, no way we were taking Cornerstone. Too big a church, not as my first church. Wanted to grow into it, Phil, grow into it, all right? Anyway, we said we'd pray, and we'd, we said we'd pray, but we know the answer. We're not taking this church. No, we're not taking Wise up. Anyway, reading through Isaiah again, Isaiah 49, and then God started to speak to me again about you got to take on this church. And one of the ways that He spoke to me from within Isaiah 49, which grabbed my attention, was this verse. He says, you are my servant Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. And guys, it was that line from the previous verse, okay, in Isaiah 60 that grabbed me from Isaiah 49. And through that as a catalyst for some other things that happened, we knew in our heart of hearts that we had to take cornerstone on. Now, look, listen, I will get to it. Here's what I want you to understand. When God spoke to me in 2005, it was a word to encourage me, but when God spoke to me in, in 2008, it was a word to activate me, and it's different. The truth is, you are not waiting on a word from God to encourage you. You can go to anywhere and have that in your history. Right now, you are waiting for a word from God to activate you to the next level of serving and moving on in Him. In verse 2 and 3 of our text, it says this, that the word of the Lord came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. It says, he went into the country around the Jordan. John, John the Baptist, had already been in the desert. He's filled with the Spirit of God. He's filled with the call of God. He is stuffed with the gifts of God. But one thing he lacks is the green light from God. And then the Bible says, then one day, just one day, Phil said it earlier, it can be slow, and then the suddenly, then one day, the, Lord, the word of the Lord came to John, and this time it was a word of activation, because the Bible said he went. He left the wilderness and went into the countryside around the Jordan. In Genesis 12, verse 1, way back to early days, it says this, that the Lord said to Abram, I want you to go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And if you fast forward two or three verses in verse 4, it says, so Abram went as the Lord told him. Abraham here, everyone, he received a word from the Lord, and it activated him. It moved him. It moved him out of his comfort zone, out of what was familiar, and into a new place to build something for a new people for God. If we go to the New Testament a little bit, and we go to Acts chapter 9, and if you go to Acts chapter 9, you will see a subtitle in Acts chapter 9, The Conversion of Saul. And some of you will be familiar with this story. Saul is on the donkey on the road to Damascus, and Jesus turns up in this blinding, literally a blinding light for him. And he knocks him to the ground, the whole drama of the thing. He understands this is Jesus has come to speak to him. And Paul says to him in five, verses 5 and 6, Who are you, Lord? And Jesus says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now watch this. He says, now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. 
This wasn't a word of encouragement to Paul, far from it. Paul was on his way to kill Christians. This was a word of redirection. This was a word of activation on Paul, who was receiving the next level of serving, the next level of direction, and the next level of Jesus' will for his life. And so while God encourages each of these heroes in the faith throughout their ministry, and I'm sure he done that, there are these seminal moments, these pivotal moments where God activated them and shifted the trajectory of your life. And the truth is, it's the same for you. You've had God encourage you. Right now, you can think of several, many times in your life when the Word of God has come up off the page to speak into a moment that you are going through where God has encouraged you. You've had God break through for you in His grace and His mercy. He has come through and helped you through. He has parted the Red Sea for you. He has done incredible things for you out of the blue. You have already had God provide for you, heal you, restore you, but right now, you are craving and you know you are needing a word from God to activate you, to shift you to the next level of serving and in your calling in God. And the reality is, you know what I'm talking about because you've had an activating word before, but the season from that word has now ended. And you are in the wilderness, you are in the isolation places, you are in the places of dry and barrenness, and you know something is brewing around you and upon you, and you know that God is getting ready to activate you. Well, I've come all this way to tell you, God is very, very close to activating you. And so what I want to do is I want to give you a couple of things that will help you manage the moment from you knowing that He's going to activate you to when He will. Because sometimes we can make a, a little bit of a mess of that space, of that little distance. We can give up too soon. We can walk away too early. We can think we are finished and God has no longer any use for us. But I want to tell you, you are close to activation. I want to tell you today that you haven't read it wrong, that you are not finished, that your gifts have not died. But if you will manage this space well, then God will get you to the place of activation when the time is right. So let me give you a couple of things. And the first thing is this, when God is ready to move you, He'll get His Word to you. Okay? When God is ready, so much in that statement, when God, you're ready, I know you're ready. You're ready to be out of the wilderness. I get it. You were ready six months ago. You were ready 12 months ago. The truth is you weren't ready. But when God is ready, He'll move you, and when He's ready to move you, He'll get His Word to you. In 2003, as part of a Chinese-Canadian research project, scientists wanted to discover whether babies in the womb, once and for all, everybody, could really identify the voice of their mother before they were born. So they tested 60 women in the final stages of their pregnancy. All the mothers were tape-recorded as they read a poem out loud. Then the mothers were divided into two groups of 30. Half the babies heard the recording of their own mother, and the other half heard a recording of someone who was not their mother. And here's what they learned. In both cases, the poem caused a change in the heart rate of the baby in the womb. The heart rate accelerated in the child who heard the voice of their own mother. 
the heart rate decelerated within the child when they heard the voice of someone else. And they reckoned that the heart rate slowed because the child was trying to figure out whose voice is this. Here's what this story tells me, that no matter how many voices try to reach you, only one voice will raise you. You will know the voice of your mother, and I want to encourage you in the context of today, you will know the voice of the Father. Jesus says, I know my sheep and they know my voice. And so in Luke chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, let me read it again. Bunch of names, bunch of history, but it's very important. It says, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, that's Caesar, that's one name. With Pontius Pilate, that's two names. He was governor, governor in Judea, Herod, Tetrarch of Galilee, Philip, somewhere else, Lysanias, somewhere else, Annas, Cephas, high priest. This says, the word of the Lord came to John and Zechariah in the wilderness. Whew, that's a lot of stuff just happening in a couple of verses. This, though, is the worldview that John was surrounded by. The voice of Tiberius Caesar represents the voice of Rome. It's the voice of culture, the prevailing culture in the moment. The culture is the accepted beliefs and norms of any given society. Today, we are surrounded by the voice of culture. The Tetrarchs, there was the voice of politics, local government, ordering of a region, manipulation, corruption, compromise, and control. That's not comment on today. It's a comment on then, before we go there. But he was surrounded by the voice of politics. Are we not surrounded by the voice of politics? Isn't that exhausting? Then there's the voice of high priests. This represents the voice of religion and ritual and belief. But in the context of our story, it was legalism, it was pride, and it was burdensome. And John was surrounded by that. And then there's one other voice that you can't hear, but it's the voice of the wilderness. And for me, this is the voice that perhaps sometimes can speak the loudest. It is the voice of personal circumstance. How many people know loneliness shouts at you? Depression shouts at you. Anxiety shouts at you. And so whatever our personal circumstance it is, it has a voice. And John was surrounded by all of these voices in his life. But I want to tell you today, and John knew it instinctively, that no matter how many voices tried to reach him, only one voice could raise him. And the Bible says that he, when he, the word of the Lord came, he got up and he went through all of the politics, through all of the culture, through all of the noise of the wilderness, through all of the religion, God's Word broke through. And you need to know today that you haven't missed it. Is there a verse that I'm reading for and, and I've missed it? Am I meant to be doing something and I've missed it? You haven't missed it because when God's Word wants to get to you, God's Word definitely will break out into your life. Isaiah 55 says this, verse 10 and 11, just to encourage you. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word, everybody, that comes from my mouth. Watch this. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve that for which I sent it. Listen, when God wants us, gets His Word to you, He will get 
his word to you. The second thing that I want to encourage you with as you navigate this space is that when God moves you, God moves all of you. Say all. He moves all of you, every little piece of you. When God activates you, this is what he flicks the switch on. He flicks the switch on your steps, on your spiritual smarts, and on your story. When you get home, I want you to look at Exodus chapter 3 and 4. And here you will learn and read all about the activation of Moses in the most epic adventure that you'll ever read about. And as we read through the story, we learn that God activates Moses' steps, He activates his spiritual smarts, and he activates his story. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 20, it says this, So Moses took his wife and his sons, and he put them on a donkey and started back to Egypt. Here it is. God is activating literally his steps. He is moving back to Egypt. But you know what? It's more than that. The, the, the desert for Moses was a place of hiding. It was a place of regret. He'd made a huge mistake in Egypt, and he went on the run, and he stayed on the run for 40 years until that burning burst moment where God said, Moses, it is not over for you. I'm activating you. I'm activating your steps. Now get your family. I need to put you back into Egypt. And with a word, God activated his steps. The next thing we see that God activates is his spiritual smarts. What is the spiritual smarts? In Exodus chapter 4, verse 20 then, the latter half of that verse, it says this, watch this, and he took the staff of God in his hand. Moses was carrying the gift of God in his hand. Before the burning bush, our great church, Moses' staff was something that he whacked the sheep with to keep them in line. Yes? When I go through the dark valley, it's your presence of the Lord is with me. How does a sheep know when it can't see the shepherd? It has the touch of the rod and the staff. That's all that was until God activated Moses. And when God activated Moses, God activated what he carried. And that same staff that nodded the sheep out of trouble was the same sh the staff that rose, he rose up and broke the Red Sea. It was the same staff that when he threw it on the floor in Pharaoh's court turned into a snake. It's the same staff. You get what I'm saying? It became, the Bible says, the staff of God. And so when God activates Moses to the next level, he activates what he carries. He activates his spiritual smarts, his anointing, and his authority. The last thing that he activates for Moses is his story. Let's go back a couple of chapters, Exodus 2.10. When the child grew older, that's Moses, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter. Remember the story? Moses, little basket under the Nile. Pharaoh's daughter sees him, picks him up. Pharaoh's daughter has him. Bible says she names him Moses, which means to draw out, to draw out of the water. And I love this because when God activated Moses, he reactivated his story. See, Moses knew there was something on his life to draw out people out of harm and out of slavery and out of captivity. He knew that was on his life. It's why he got in that tangle with the Egyptian halfway through. He was doing the right thing all at the wrong time. 
but he knew and he knew. And so when God activated Moses by sending him back on the donkey, hit his steps, along with the staff with the spiritual smarts, he was saying, Moses, your story is not over. I'm activating your story. I'm hurting and I'm putting you back into Egypt. And so if we look at our text again, in Luke 3, verse 2 and 3, during the high priest of Annas and Cephas, the word of the Lord came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins. I love it. He activates the steps. He left the wilderness with a step. He was on the move, everybody. And he went into the countryside where people could reach him. God activates his smarts. John the Baptist, remember, was filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. But the Bible says that he was filled with a message of a baptism of repentance. And so he carried that everywhere he went. And then when God activated him, he activated his story. Look at the words of John's father as he prophesied over him as a baby. He says, and you, my child, will be a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. And even when the Pharisees asked John the Baptist about who he really is, who are you? He said this, I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. And so when, when God activated John the Baptist with his word. He sent him, and he activated his story that his father prophesied over him as a child. Church, watch me now. When God moves you, he moves all of you. When the word of the Lord that you are waiting on comes, you'll know it because it will shift every part of you. You need to know that it will, it's going to shift your steps. Your steps may be shifted to, maybe to walk familiar paths all over again in a new way with a new perspective. It may mean a shift of location for you to new people and to new places. Either way, God will move you. God will move your smarts. He will activate all the gifts that you carry. Your gift has been dormant. Your gift has been quiet. Your gift has been formed and reshaped and reformed into new levels of anointing. But when God activates you, you will explode onto the scene and people will wonder, where have you been? What have you been doing? And how do you know what you know? Because what you will carry, God will activate all your spiritual gifts, all of the anointing, all of the favor. They are not dead. They are not gone and God will move them. But also, God will activate your story. He'll activate your story. You're not done. You're not done serving Him. You're not done living for Him. And the context may change. The rules may change. But the call of God and the purpose on your life has not changed. It can never change. And so when God moves you, He's going to move all of you. Navigate this space well. And then finally, everybody, when God moves you, He moves more than you. When God moves you, He moves more than you. I wonder, have you ever heard the word anti-ambulo? Anti-ambulo. A-N-T-E means before. There it is. Ambulo means to walk. You got an ambulance or a a preambulator was an old Victorian word for a pram. 
antiambulo. And you put it together and it means before walking. When you were loaded in Rome in ancient times, you would have an antiambulo in your payroll. And they served no other purpose than to do this for you. So say you want to go shopping and you wanted to get from this side of the piazza to that side of the piazza, and there's a bunch of people in the way. You would give a nod to the anti-ambulo, and he would step out into the crowds and move them out of your way. Who wouldn't love an anti-ambulo? That'd be awesome. That's all he would do. So before you would walk, he would clear the path. And so when the crowd saw your anti-ambulo, they knew to anticipate that you were coming soon. John the Baptist was Jesus' anti-ambulo. And here's the truth, everybody. So are you. That's why we are here. When God activates you, it has one overarching purpose. He may do it through you in different ways, but it has one collective unifying goal. It is to push through and away the crowds of culture, push through the crowds of isolation, push through the crowds of politics and religion, to push through, to push through, to push through, because the King of glory, the Master, is coming after you. And I want to get you excited today because when God activates you, it is a sure sign that Jesus is ready to fill the space that you are going to create for Him when God moves you into that new place. And that is the best thing of all, isn't it? That we live to make room for Christ so that our world can see Him, so that our world can hear Him, and so that our world can be changed by Him. When God moves you, understand this, that He is moving more than you. Yes, you're moving into a new level. Yes, you're moving into a new anointing. You're moving into a new place. But it's more than that. It's moving all of the world aside so that Christ can move in. It means when you move to a new location, you make room in that location for Christ. If you move into a new job, you make room in that job for Christ to follow you. You move into a new family, you make room in that family for Christ to follow you. We are Christ's anti-ambulo, and when the world sees you, it's got to know, oh no, it's them. It must mean that Jesus is about to move. Wouldn't it be awesome that when people see you from R8 Church, they're going, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing because something's about to shift. Because when Phil rocks up at the Texaco or out of the garage, God is coming after him. When you go to school, God is coming after you. When you take him into your marriage, God is coming after you. Come on, let's make room for the Lord. Let's be this, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. This is the call of church. We make rough places smooth. 
We make it easy for the king to move. People are easily to get to Jesus because the church exists. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain and hill made low. Rough ground shall become level. The rugged places are plain. Watch this. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And watch this. And all the people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Woo! I believe this. And then I'm out. Is your keyboarder called Keith? What's your name? Keith. You've just been changed. Simon, then Peter, throughout Keith. <laughs> just, just for today. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, this is what I think. This is what I believe. I want to add my voice to all the other things that I believe we've heard that the Lord is doing from great people. There's not one of us can pretend to know fully the mind of the Lord and what's, what He's moving and doing in this season, but this is what I've become increasingly excited about. I believe you and probably hundreds like you all over Ireland are in the shadowy places, in the wandering places, in the does-he-see-me places. And yet you have this sense of contrast in your life because on one hand you are, does he see me? And yet the other half's convinced that he's about to do something. Do you ever live like that? Lord, I, I, I do. I, and somehow you know and today, you know what? You know what today has done? It's put language to how you're actually feeling. Because God is in 2021. This is not the year of breakthrough. This is the year of revelation. Next year, this is the year He builds the army. This is the year He brings the army back to Jesus. This is the year He's going to bring you out of hiding. This is the year He's going to activate you. There are people all over Ireland, all over the UK, all over Europe. There's a mighty, hidden, waiting army that God is going to activate with His Word. Will you manage this space? Don't fall. Don't fail. Don't give up. Today, Lord, I 
is over you again in Isaiah 40. And I want them to become yours. That when you go home, you get the highlighter out. That's our desire. Lord, that is our dream. That we become, Lord, the way makers. That make the way of the Lord. That make the, the obstacles. We push past politics and we push past culture and we push past religion, Lord Jesus. We push past the, the screens of our own personal circumstances. And Lord, we manage the space between where we are and our day and our word, our opportunity of activation. We're going to manage it so well. We're going to get visions of flattened places, of mountains laid low. We're going to get visions of people, visions of places, visions of nations. And we're going to get visions, Lord, of your glory coming and doing increasingly incredible things. Lord, I pray you would usher in a new age of the miraculous, a new age of the prophetic, a new age of purity and young men and young women who will set aside everything in life and put everything on the line for the Lord Jesus. Father, we believe that you are building your church. You are raising an army, a holy army, a peaceful army, an army of power, of supernatural power, armed with grace, armed with love, armed with prayer, armed with hope, armed with love, ready to bring the kingdom of God to life, to push through, to push through the crowds and say prepare the way for the king of kings church come on let's go as we sing this last song together i want you to get a vision of jesus get a vision of your street get a vision of your community get a vision of your future and dare to dream what god could do and will do with you as he activates you to the next level of your anointing and your glory. Come on, let's worship Jesus with all that we have. Amen and amen. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.